quids. Time pieces of watch. Fifty Randy quids. Well, I mean, it was fucking stupid. Fifty Randy quids. Fuck you, Bobbert Hansen. We watch movies so you don't have to. Cage Talk. Welcome to Fifty Randy Quaids, a movie review podcast. I am your host with the most Nicholas Cage movies. I am the Prime Millennial and your boy Chuck Banner. And with me, my gracious co-host, as always. This is JT Money, and I just want to say I recently had to watch an HR video at work that taught me how to communicate with millennials, so I'm, I'm really glad that I did so. I'm prepared to speak to you better today than I ever have before. We're both millennials. No, I know, dude. Seriously, that was a crazy... I seriously did have to watch a video that was like, how to communicate with millennials. I'm like... Give me something about how to communicate with Gen Z. It might be a little bit more worthwhile, but like, I'm a millennial, bros. I know how to communicate with millennials. I've been doing it my whole life. (laughs) Yeah, like literally my entire life. You know also what I waited my entire life to do? Watch this movie. Oh, you mean episode 154, hashtag cage talk edition, The Frozen Ground. The 64th Nicolas Cage movie. Classic. Uh, No, this one I am not calling a classic. They're all classics. We're going to have this debate until the end of this series. So, just saying. Well, and just like all of our listeners, if you have any questions or comments, you can head on over to 50randyquades.com and you can let us know what the fuck is up. And before I get into anything else, I just want to say to everybody, LOL, lots of love. Give it, get it, got it good. Yeah, you know, that's right. And what were you going to say? Can I read the first tagline to this movie before we get to the trailer? Yeah, 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 yeah. Because it's exactly what happens in the movie. It's great. Perfect. The hunter becomes the hunted. And then there's the not-so-good second tagline, The Hunt for Alaska's Most Prolific Serial Killer. Yeah, that feels like the the tagline to like the docu-series on Peacock about yeah. Robert Hansen. Yeah, yeah. Did you say Bobbert? No, I did not, but I wish I did. <laughs> check the tape anyway. Though. I mean, yeah, just in case, check, check the tape. Docu-series on Peacock about robert hansen and with that we will introduce all of you to the trailer for the frozen ground yeah what just happened there's been another murder found it last night this one of your missing persons? That could be. She's late teens, maybe early 20s. When are you going to admit there's somebody taking these girls? I can't get these off. Eight girls in the last two years. There's not one lead except her. She got away. Why don't you just start at the beginning? He brought me to his place. He called it his den. It was more of a dungeon. Why isn't this guy on our list? Hansen's an upstanding citizen. I have testimony from a witness who's a prostitute that refused a polygraph. It's a dead end. I need physical evidence. We're reopening the case. This guy did it, and they let him get away with it. Did you panic when you killed him? You had their blood all over your hands. I didn't do that. I promise nothing's going to happen to you. Look, he's going to take me. Help me, please. Have you seen her? Have you seen this girl? He won't stop, and we know who he is. Drop the gun! Have you ever seen anybody do anything like this before? And we are back in Alaska for the first time, so we're not really back? Yeah, I'm trying to think of a time we've been in Alaska before... For a cage talk, especially, I don't think so. I mean, we've had 153 other episodes of the show, so maybe one of those took place in Alaska. It's possible. I don't care about Alaska, man. 
Well, just in case you are new to the show, this is Hashtag Cage Talk. And we're going to talk about everything Nicolas Cage. Or at least we mean to. But we are... Gracious is not the right word. Empathetic is not the right word. We're courteous hosts. That's one thing we are. Yeah, courteous. It might not be the words you're looking for. We are um, generous Generous, yes. As well. Because we'll give you a lot of information, but before we give that information to you, we'll also give you a spoiler Yeah, warning. because, you know, after that warning, we're going to spoil the fucking shit out of the frozen ground. In case you don't know about what Bobbert did, or you can't determine uh, a tagline, which is information we've already given you. And I'm sure the trailer probably gave a lot away, too. But either way, in three quick moments, we'll spoil the shit out of this movie. One, two... Three. So John Cusack plays Bobbert Robert Hansen, Alaska's most prolific serial killer, who is doggedly chased down by Nicolas Cage's lieutenant or something, sergeant character. Uh, and eventually he's caught and goes to jail for 461 years with no chance of. You parole. know that's right. Because he murdered a bunch of women in the woods by hunting them like the most dangerous game. Except not quite like that. No, 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 not quite at all. He just kind of like, I don't know, tortured them and then let them like kind of escape. Kidnap, rape, torture, fly to a remote location, set them free, let them run about 50 yards. And then shoot them with a high power And then shoot them. Yep, it's good stuff. Really a level playing field for Bobbert Robert Hansen. Yeah, 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 yeah. The, you know, the butcher baker. Gives gives all bakers around the world bad name. Fuck you, Bobbert Hansen. I was really hoping going into this that that Nick Cage played Robert Hansen, but it's probably better than I guess John Cusack. Did. Well, it's funny because in the interview that I watched on the Blu-ray, he'd even said something about, he's like, well, most people, I guess, would expect me to be the serial killer. But he's like, I thought it was really good to see, like, John Cusack bring his, like, what he thought to, like, like to determine the serial killer in this movie. Like, he didn't really want to, like, it almost didn't seem like he wanted to, like, say the guy's name, maybe, or acknowledge I it. I could see that. I could see Nick Cage being that kind of guy. Well, and, like, he even was saying, like, in that interview, he's like, He's like, no, he's like, this is more of like, uh, he's like, this is more of about a movie about the troopers and how like, how great they are and how good of a job they did and how he wanted to attach like, like his name to this movie if he could be like representing the integrity and the goodness of the troopers. Well, and this is absolutely a movie that pays more service to the troopers and to the victims and to sex workers and stuff than it does to Robert Hansen. It definitely does not glorify or show you even a lot of his violence and crimes. Correct. It's very sparse. It's very sparse what they give you. It's, I definitely think it, it, it meant to be far more sympathetic to the victims and the police than I I guess I was expecting going into a movie about a serial killer. Yeah. I, I think that's the right call, though, honestly. I could see a lot of people being mad about that. And like, oh, you know, I'm not getting what I expected out of a movie about a serial killer. But I think, and especially the way they end the movie with that dedication to his victims. And they show their pictures and their, you know, disappearance. And if they were found and all that. Like, I think having a tone throughout the whole movie that's like, no, fuck you, Robert Hansen. We're not going to show these crimes in any graphic detail because you don't deserve that like i think that was that was good yeah i agree with that so obviously we're talking about the crime drama thriller the frozen ground and how this movie is rated r for violent content sexuality slash nudity language and drug use it has all of those things I was semi-shocked to realize that this didn't really have a theatrical release. It was very limited. I couldn't really find any numbers about it, and it was mostly just, like, direct-to-video. It's probably because it bombed in all of its test screenings, but they'd already made it, so it was like, fuck, what do we do with this? We're not going to spend the money on a theatrical release. We're going to lose our asses on this anyway. Oh, and they did. Um, this movie came out August 23rd, 2013. Uh, the top movies that came out that weekend were number one the butler 16 and a half million dollars in its second week what's the butler 
Sounds like it would be a comedy starring like John Leguizamo, but actually, I'm just thinking of the past. It is not a comedy. It is, I want to say, a drama. Is it starring Gerard Butler? No, I think it's like a butler at the White House or something. I'm not entirely sure. Like, I think Oprah's in it. Okay, all right. I think it might be like a timepiece. Period piece? Yes. <laughs> timepiece is a watch. It might be a watch. <laughs> I definitely have seen the second one. Did you see the second one? I have seen the second one. It's We're the Millers at $13 million in its third week. This uh, third movie, I think I might have seen, but not really like sat down and watched it, right? The Mortal Instruments City of Bones. $9.3 million in its debut. I have not seen it, nor did I see at least the one that came before it. I don't know. This could be the third one in the series. It's at least the second one. Yeah, I don't think they made a third one. I think this I don't, kind of did I don't bad. know. I don't well, 9.3 million in its first week doesn't sound good for a movie that I'm sure had a 50 million dollar budget. Oh, probably had a much higher budget than that. I don't I don't know. I want to say it probably had like 150 million. You think so? Yeah, I think that had a lot of moving parts. Have you seen number 4? Uh, I want to say I have, but I think it's a comedy. I'm I'm not 100% sure. The World's End? It's, uh, the third in the trilogy from Simon Pegg. It's, uh... Okay, so it is what I'm thinking. Yeah, I love it. Great movie. Uh, that made eight and 8.8 million, and it's, uh, also in its debut. And then the fifth one, I believe, is an animated movie. Is that, like, a sequel to Cars? I think so. Oh, boy. Those planes... 8.5 milli, and it's third week at the box office. Good job, Pixar. Well, if it's a sequel to Cars, it'd have to be. Yeah, I, I mean, like, I think it's in the same, like, Universe. world as Cars. Yeah, so I said sequel. So, I mean, all right, so I guess it's more of, like, a, a solo to Star Wars, where it's not a sequel or a prequel or whatever, but it's in... Well, I think even Planes had, like, a sequel, like, Planes 2, and... Did you ever see... There's a bunch of those vehicle movies that came out around that time. Have you ever seen Planes, Trains, and Automobiles? Yes. Great movie. It is a great movie. It's about that time of year to watch it, too. It is. Nice. But you know what? Oh, there's no segue to this. <laughs> the budget for this movie was uh, $27.22 million is what I found. Sounds about right. And this movie obviously made nothing here in the States. But in all foreign lands, 5.6 million total is a huge loss. That's over $20 million. This movie flushed down the fucking toilet. Yeah, this isn't enough of an action movie or, you know, a thriller in the sense of something that is high energy. Like, so there's not a lot of what gets his usual movies over overseas. It's not here. It's not present in this movie. I didn't have a problem watching the movie. Like, I enjoyed it when I watched it. It was just if I if I wasn't into the subject matter, I would say that this was a, this movie was boring as fuck. If I didn't already know about who Robert Hansen was and the crimes beforehand, and so watching it unfold already know what's happening, I think I would have been way more bored than I was. Yes. Well, we so like this movie. Uh, we'll we'll talk about it a little bit further in a bit, but this entire movie takes place like at the very end of his spree or run or whatever you're going to call it which again which makes sense if we're looking at it from the perspective of what i brought up before not trying to glorify his crimes it makes sense to jump in at the end so you only see two of the victims and one of them survives you don't have to put that violence on screen for us to watch if you don't want to and they don't so like i i get it but again with this kind of subject matter it does make this move very in an at an hour and 45 minutes bro like rein it in hour and a half at best for this movie is what it's like the runtime just dragged there are definite spots they could have just been like no nah, we're just gonna cut that but yeah like the inter- that oh, we'll that's falls directly on the writer slash director scott walker that falls on his head fuck scott walker i'm not gonna say fuck scott walker movie was it was a movie wasn't amazing wasn't terrible fuck him anyway but that brings us to the main star actors of the frozen ground starting off of course with the one true god nicholas cage playing fictional character sergeant jack hulcomb and then you've got who i did not expect to be in this movie uh vanessa hudgens as cindy paulson and let me tell you 
There's a reason why Vanessa Hudgens generally works in streaming service rom-coms these days. Yeah. She's fun in that kind of role. I don't quite have the chops, or at least didn't back in 2013, to carry a role like this. I would agree with you there. I couldn't buy her as what she was portraying, which also kind of took me out of things a little bit. Then we have uh, John Cusack, who plays uh, supervillain Bobbert Hansen. Then you've got Dean Norris uh, from Breaking Bad, most notably, as Sergeant Lyle Hogsven. Then we have Kevin Dunn, plays Lieutenant Bob Jett. He's a Chicago guy. And then you've got, much to my fucking pleasant surprise, uh, Curtis 50 Cent Jackson, Jackson playing Pimp Clate Johnson. And then I wrote it down later that we get a Kurt Fuller appearance. Oh, shit, that's right. Yes, Kurt Fuller, a.k.a. the coroner from Psych. Buddy? What was his name? Buddy? Woody. Not Buddy. Woody. And many other things. Kurt Fuller's better than Tony Yeah, yeah, but I was all like, damn, I gotta throw props to Kurt Fuller on this bitch. And another one of the police or troopers was in one of the later seasons of Dexter. And also in the Avatar movie and movies that are coming out. And a whole bunch of other crap. I thought he was... Uh, I thought I recognized him from the OC as, like, Julie Cooper's old boyfriend with the sex tape, but it wasn't him. And I realized it was actually, I recognized him from, I think it was, like, season seven of Dexter, the Minotaur guy with the maze house. I know what you're talking about. It's it's one of the later seasons. It's not very good. Yeah, that, that series fell off, like, the second half of the series. That's, um... I'm going to say it was already falling off in season three. Some I thought I thought Trinity yeah. Killer was the highlight. That was four. That's what I'm saying. They were already starting to fall off at three. Four gave probably the best season in the whole season. Easily the best season. And then it, and then it you could, I think you could make an argument for season one as well, just because it set the standard for that show. Very good. Four just ramped it up to a level that untouchable, especially with Lithgow. Not, but anyway, it all kind of tumbled further and further downhill after four. To by the end, it was. Totally I haven't even shit. watched the like the new season. I did. No, I watched it. It 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 is. I'm gonna go out on a limb and say the final season of it. It's a fun idea, but it's just as fucking ridiculous and stupid as the last few seasons. All were. right. I mean, I I liked the season with Tom Hanks' son. Six is fine. But it was like the only season I felt like that was even halfway good after uh, Trinity. Nah, it was all right. Whatever. Give me that IMDb breakdown. Let's go. An Alaskan state trooper partners with a young woman who escaped the clutches of serial killer Bobbert Hansen to bring the murderer to justice based on actual events. Oh, I like the little little quick note you have here. Yeah, yeah. I just wanted uh, to... quickly reference that this was a nominee for a golden reel award for best sound editing cool cool good job didn't win obviously but it was nominated let's jump into this and this movie just jumps us right in well it, yeah it jumps us right in with the you know like based on actual events no but i mean as far as like the movie itself goes you got like a cop going through what appears to be you know a low-down motel, and there's just screaming, and someone talking about this woman's just been screaming for a while. You go in, it's Vanessa Hudgens, handcuffed, bleeding from the wrist, screaming, freaking out. This cop lets her free, embraces you like, what the fuck is going on? And they bring her into the station, and they're questioning her as if she had committed a crime, which I suppose... I suppose technically she had, which they pointed out because she was out doing some sex work or whatever. Yeah, she was out soliciting. Basically, it comes down to, we're going to let you go because we're not going to hold you on the crime we know you committed. But we also don't give a shit about what you say happened to you. Because you're accusing you're accusing yeah, a fine, upstanding citizen of doing some heinous shit. I don't think so. Get out of here. But there's the one cop, the cop, the founder, that's like, come on, guys, what's going on? Like, I definitely believe her. Yeah, yeah. It was not necessarily the way that they would want the police That's why you got to get these troopers to step in there later to fucking pick up where the cops failed. So, which case, we cut to 
our action hero, the one true god, Nicolas Cage, waking up in bed, getting a phone call. He's like, oh, yeah, what's going on? All right, I'll be there. He's like, all right. He comes in, dealing with this shit. And it's just like, bam. He's getting all this shit thrown on him. And he's like, dude, I only got two fucking weeks left, man. But you skipped what... You skipped what he got up to go do and did with all the shit. They they found oh, they yeah, found we, a body. We, we but our listeners don't know they found a body because again we watch movies so you don't have to. Yeah, yeah, they yeah. go find a body that's been shot execution style. It's a woman. They said I think been there six months to a year, something like that. They have a ple- they have a conference about it, a press conference. At the press conference, the the media is like. Yo, this is pretty similar to all this other shit. You trying to tell us there isn't a serial killer out there? And the lieutenant's like, yo, things do not indicate we have a mass murderer on our hands. Don't worry about it. But Cage ain't buying that. He definitely thinks it is. Oh, yeah. But like you said, he put in his notice, man. He's moving. He's uprooting his family, taking them out of, out of wherever. I don't know where they're going. But new jobs for everyone. Get the fuck out of town. But now he's got this on his plate. The lieutenant's like, no, man, this is your case. Work it. Yeah, he's like, well, too bad. You got to fucking do it. You're here right now. Get to work. So that's when, like, Nick's all like, shit, I got to start, like, a task force, I guess. But, like, it's basically just like, all right, here's what we're going to do. We're going to look through all this shit. We're going to fucking sort it. You know, anything that looks similar to this, boom, that's what we got to go through. And he keeps doing that until he stumbles across Bobbert Hansen. Well, he came, like, there was a rape or something from, like, 12 years prior that he was charged with. He got indicted for, sentenced to five years. He got out in, like, three months or something like that. Yeah, it's, like, crazy. Cage is like, this is just, this is, this is real, it's just too similar to what, you know, we heard from this Cindy. I got to talk to this Cindy, right? So he's out working the, he, he goes down to the workers part of town where all these like little underground clubs and the street workers are at. And he's there with some guy who obviously works that all the time. He's giving him the skinny, giving him the rundown. They're going in and out of clubs looking for Cindy and he's not having, uh, any luck doing that but he's searching they're trying to find her they need her to come in to give her you know word on what happened meanwhile we're getting these shots of what's going on in bob's life we see a woman go and get picked up for a photo shoot in a big camper and at the time we don't know that's bob then we meet bob for the first time he's walking into his bakery one morning and the cops are there like yo what's up bob which is true in real life he was buddy buddy with the cops i think didn't he want to be a cop but he couldn't, he couldn't for whatever reason. I, I think that was part of it. We see him sitting at home eating dinner in his den. And he watches a crocodile pop out of the water and eating antelope. It's like, okay, we get it. That's a little heavy-handed. But we appreciate you putting that on TV for us. But then finally, cutting back to Cage and Cindy's. Cage, they find Cindy and they bring Cage into the precinct to talk to her. And so, like, yeah, he's basically just, like, asking her a bunch of questions. And, like, he's recording it. And... She gives up some information before she's just like, this is just too fucking much. And she gets up and like, she gets the fuck out of there. After, but before she does that, she kind of describes being locked up in his den. Oh yeah. It's pretty graphic. And at that time, and at that time, the movie cuts back over to real time in the den where the woman that got picked up earlier is chained to the pillar, just like uh, Cindy had described. And like, she's peed on the floor because she can't do anything about it. But apparently he's beat her or been mad at her about this before because she's apologizing for it and he throws a towel at her and tells her to clean it up and like just is they again they don't show him beating or molesting or raping like none of that is shown but they give you enough to insinuate that this is what's been fucking happening like she is chained by her neck to this post and she is obviously very scared and Cusack does a real good job of just, like, being not, I don't want to say, like, small because he wasn't. Like, he was, like, very much like, I am in charge of this situation. And, but he was able to do it, like, soft-spoken. He did a great job of his interaction with his victim change based on where they're at. Because by the time they get out into the woods later... And he's talking to her. He's not. He's still soft spoken, but his tone yeah. is much more, much more villainous. Like you're about to die, and you know it, which it doesn't quite have here yet, because he wants to, you know, 
keep the game going for a while. But then as the movie goes on and things start to kind of close in on him. I think even like whispers to her at one point, like, like you're my favorite or something like that. Or like, you're doing this just the way I want you to, or you're doing everything I, I ask. Like, this is great. Like, thank you basically like but like super creepy and like whispering it to her like i was like ah but then as the movie goes on and the walls start to close in on him he gets more and more unhinged and nervous and jittery and like cusack does a really good job in the role i think like he played it really really interestingly but anyway after city leaves she's back out on the streets again right and she meets this woman who offers her a job off the streets dancing in a club come in here have some drinks, have some drugs, get up on the stage. So she like she ends up smoking some crack, loving it. I think it was meth. Whatever, dude. It's not good. Well, 83, would it have been meth? I think it would have been crack. I mean, she calls it crystal, I think. So that's what I just assumed was meth. I don't know. It really, it's, it's irrelevant. She's up on stage and she ends up, this is when we see 50 Cent for the first time. And like, so that's her pimp. So he's like, get the fuck off the stage, get back out on the streets. But she's like, no, fuck you. So, like, her street life is not going well. And we have also found out by this point, when she originally claimed to be 23, when this shit went down with Bob Hanson, she was 17. She's She's 18 now. So, but she's like, when this shit happened with dude before I was 17, now I'm 18. I don't know. Like, it's not good. She ends up saying at some point that she's been working the streets since, like, sixth grade or something. So Yeah, that's insane. Totally fucked up. But while all that's going on... Cajun's team are still looking into Bob. They're really, like, they're pissing people off because they're looking into closed cases. Like, shit that, anything that looks like it has a similar MO, but they're looking at cases that cover 150 to 200 miles of land where they're finding these bodies at. Because Hanson's just flying them out to different places and fucking hiding them, you know? Yeah, because at some point they get an FBI profiler to, like, to send a profile or something like that. Or maybe it was just Nick Cage where he's like, this is the profile and this is like... Because I'm pretty sure he he matches it against something. No, no, no. That was real life. I remember from this case specifically, it's one of like the craziest profiles of all time because everything the FBI profiler said about Robert Hansen is exactly what Robert Hansen was. Yeah. I remember and, that. And he's a, like... This was the because yeah I remember in the movie he's even like he he stops looking at anybody else because he's like this is our guy he's like we just have to prove it and so it's at this point that Bob does take that woman up into the forest like he's got her handcuffed to a tree for a minute while he gets himself all set up and is whispering or whatever there's a plane that flies overhead so it's like and yeah he covers her mouth for some reason. It's, well, it's not like, apparently it's not a totally remote enough area that there's another air track. I, I don't know. That whole, that was weird, sure. Well, it, it, even the fact that he, co- like, he the reason why I thought it was weird is he covers her mouth, right? And then when the plane is gone and he releases his hand, she's like, help, help. And he's like, no one can hear you out here. And I was like, well, then why'd you cover her mouth? And maybe the plane could have hurt her. I don't know, man. I'm not, I thought it was stupid too, but I'm not going to get mad about it. I mean, I'm not getting mad. I'm oh, just, you're getting I a tone. Was... No, you had a tone. You were getting agitated by that, buddy. This is the first time we've been. It's the first time we were talking about this movie that you were like, "Man, that's fucking stupid." Well, I mean, it was fucking stupid. Doesn't matter. Uh, but he ends up killing her and like taking a necklace because this guy's a trophy taker, and then he's out of there. <clears throat> we're back to Cage talking to Cindy again at this point because he yeah, this he is where... needs her to make this case happen. And they're at like some sort of like skating rink, like an indoor roller rink, and. I thought this was a really weird interaction he was having with Vanessa Hudgens. And I don't know if it's like how she was supposed to act, but it almost seemed like she was like being overly sexualized during this interview. Cause like, I think she even says like, do you want to fuck me? And he's like, no, no, but that wasn't an offer. She was saying people who ask me these questions that I'm telling you not to ask me only ask me because they want to fuck me. She was being the, I think she was kind of like, turning it on its head she wasn't being sexual in a genuine way at least initially she was like being and it was like yeah i guess it was like like a fake over the like overly sexualized she's seeing him as treating her the same way every other guy does as a fucking sexual object and that's it whereas he isn't and she does she doesn't know how to react to that well, and she kind of tries to turn it on, uh, turn it against him and be like, because she saw a picture of him with his sister earlier in the first interview. And Nick Cage had mentioned how she died. And then he's all like, well, what? Aren't you going to go and, like, get revenge for your sister's death? Like, do you know what happened to her, her, like, her killer? And Nick's like, yeah, like, 
she died in a car accident and like I, I know where the guy lives i know where he works i you know like i know his schedule she's like but i he's like i can't do anything about it and she's like is that justice and he's just like well, i mean like i i'll get this guy i'm going to get him she seems very unwilling to trust uh nick cage uh, but again if you look at her life experience or at least what they give us of it what reason would you have to trust him Cops don't I mean, give a, I understand. Cops don't give a fuck about people like her. Her family hasn't given a fuck about person like her. Like, there's no one to trust. They're just gonna let you down. Like, I don't blame her. Cage is an exception to the rules of her life up to that point. So that's why she goes back out and she's getting fucked up. She's working the club again, and Bob is in the crowd because he's out hunting again. Oh yeah, and they she notice seems each other. But reeked out by. Well, she it. does. She does freak out. Absolutely freaks out because he's there. It's not like understandably. Her, well, it's not like her. Like I'm so fucked up on drugs. I'm seeing things. Like no, oh, Bob is actually there. And yeah. when she starts freaking out, he takes off and he heads back to his den. And he's looking through all his cards and he's calling up like how he met her in the past or how he thinks he met her in the past. And like you got this Cindy blah blah, blah and I, he can't find her. Because he obviously he needs to eliminate someone who knows who he is and is talking about him. But he doesn't know where to find her at. But she's keeps going back to where she can be found at, too. Yeah. But he's freaking out about it. Meanwhile, Cage is trying to get a warrant from a judge. Kurt Fuller appearance! Kurt Fuller's like, nah, bro, you don't have enough here for me to fucking justify giving you a warrant for this. Like, all of it is speculation or secondhand or... He even know, says the line i'm not gonna try to tell you how to do your job but i need evidence i can't do shit with this that's oh yeah because then cage brings that back on him later yeah but then he finds out that cindy's trying to like take a flight and get the fuck out of there because obviously she's freaking out about bob now knowing that she's back around again and cage is like Stop the flight if you have to. Cancel this yeah. shit. Don't let her leave. So they get there. They stop her. And he's showing her pictures of the former victims. And she's like, oh, shit, I recognize that one. He's like, I promise nothing will happen to you. I'm like, Cage, you can't make that kind of a promise, dog. So he does the only thing that he can do. He brings her home. And she's like washing up in the bathroom or something. And overhears Nick and his wife just like arguing about it rightfully so because she's just like i want this fucking person in my house like we're supposed to be leaving and you haven't even signed this fucking like contract to agree to start this new job like but here's my problem and this is the shit you can cut from the movie because they didn't give us enough of the wife and the family angle for any of this to hit in any real dramatic way like i don't care i don't i don't have enough of a reason to invest in his marriage without them spending more time on it, which is totally unnecessary. So just cut that. I don't need that drama. The drama is the case that he's investigating. I don't need the the forced-in home-life drama, too. It's irrelevant. I it's felt stupid. was unnecessary because, like you said, they didn't talk about it enough. The only thing that they used it for was the reference that he was only supposed to have another two weeks on the job. But th- th- he could have said that to his boss like he did... And not have it be something that even matters at home. I don't need to meet his family. I don't need to see his home life. It plays ultimately no part of anything in this movie. It's just, it was, it was again, it was stuff forced into, I think they feel like maybe it fleshed out the character more, but it just was window dressing. It wasn't worth anything. I think the only reason they even really used it was so they could have Vanessa Hudgens leave and go somewhere else but I, I just don't understand why he couldn't have just taken her directly to a hotel room or something because i got that she she's not leaving because he can't trust her to not leave there's the twofold of a he is giving her a safer and better place to stay than her whatever she's gonna end yeah. up at but at the same time he also knows where she's at you know what i mean she's not just like getting up at two in the morning and getting on another flight and getting the fuck out of there or well i mean quite technically she could she could just wait for him to go to bed less likely though you would hope again i I see again if i'm putting myself in his shoes and you know his frame of mind having her crash at home is the smartest thing for someone who clearly has a lot of a lot of things going on that would make her want to run 
Yeah. But you need her to nail this guy. But she, well, she she does leave, like you said. She goes back to the motel, 50 Cent's motel. And 50 Cent's like, bitch, get back on the streets. Well, she, Bob's also back out there on the streets. Vanessa's on the streets looking for someone. And then the weirdest fucking thing happens. The moose scene? Yep. Get that the fuck out of here. Because I don't know what the fuck it means or why it's there. If this movie had more shit like that in it, I would love it. But it's the only thing in this movie that's anything like that. And it it doesn't make sense in a way that isn't interesting to me. It didn't add anything. What did that mean? The, it didn't fit the movie's tone in any way, shape, or form. So yeah, get that fucking scene out of there. Cage is also out on the streets, though. He's He ends up running into... Because he's looking for Cindy... He ends up running into the woman that gave her the job dancing, but she won't say anything. So Cage is back on the street. Cindy's back on the street. Everyone's back on the street. But Bob then spots her walking into a club. The club that we've been to a few times now. So Bob follows her in. Oh, yeah. And so Bob is just like, they're kind of just like running around the scenery of this club, right? So like... They immediately go to the backstage, which is just, I guess, a bunch of hallways and doors. And so they're just kind of like the they're showing her going through all these doors and then being like, there's always a door inside of a room leading to a different room or a different exit out into a different hallway. It's very weirdly set up to where eventually it's I don't or is think this it's, where she overdoses on the drugs. It, it's well, it's all part of that scene because she heads to the back of the club and goes to a bathroom, does some drugs off the back of a toilet, and overdoses. Okay. Me- meanwhile, Bob's doing all Bob this. Is, like, there, it's not. I don't think it's as confusing as they make it out to be for us as an audience. But they're definitely trying to make us think that he's followed her and he's going to find her in the bathroom stall. But that's not what happens. Someone else at the club finds her in the stall. Cage also shows up at the same time. They all converge in the club at the same time. And Cage ends up like running into the guy who has her body. And then he takes her from him. Bob sees all this happening. And he's like, fuck! Cage is here too! So he gets the fuck out of there. And then Cage takes her to the hospital. Okay, and then so... Well, this is where we find out about her past. Because there's a picture of her mom there and... She's like, yeah, my mom had me when she was 15, and then her uncle fucking, like, raped me for my whole life, basically. And I started working the streets and all this, and Cage is like, I will protect you, basically. Yeah. So that's when we get to, like, Cage and uh, uh, Dean, Dean Norris. First, Bob is back at the club, though, and he's meeting with a guy who says, long time no see. So it's someone Bob has dealt with in the past. For yeah, that big that big dude. The big dude. Bob passes him a piece of paper, and dude's like, yeah, I'll find her for ten. And then Bob's back in his den, staring up at the animal heads he has around him, staring at what appear to be like articles in the newspaper about hunting achievements that he has, which, again, if I'm not mistaken, he held like hunting records in the state of Alaska. Yeah, I wanted to say that, too. I'm pretty sure. So, but but again, they show the way they shoot it and the way that, Nick, that John Cusick is acting like the dude knows that the game is almost up for him. So he's slowly losing it. Then the big dude goes to 50 Cent's motel room, lures him outside, beats him up, pulls a gun on him and says, get that chick to me within two days. And your debts are free. Otherwise, bitch you dead, basically. Yeah. And now we get to... So that's when Nick Cage and Dean Norris, I was going to say Hanson, but that was wrong. Dean Norris are outside parked in a car and good old bobbert is all like all right i'm gonna pick up my kid and uh we're gonna go driving in this little mini blizzard right so he like they're chasing after him not chasing they're tailing him right and they follow him to an airport and they're like no shit he ain't gonna try to take off in this fucking weather is it's fucking snowing real bad and so dean gets out and he's like yo man i'm gonna go try to talk to him up in the watchtower or whatever it's called the flight tower yeah, that sounds good. The timepiece tower. Yeah, 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 yeah. So they're going to go up to that timepiece, right? And then so Nick is like driving over to his car and that's when he gets out and he's looking. And he's like, fuck, where is he? And he's like, he hears the engine. He's like, and fucking uh, Bobbert's all like flying off. And he's like, no, 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 no. And Dean's all like, it's Bobbert. 
his son some guns and a whole bunch of trophies. Yeah, a whole bunch of trophies. He's able to take off before they're able to get him, and Nick Cage is all like, it's like, damn it, he's going to dump all of his fucking trophies. I know it. And so, yeah, it, it shows him, like, go to land that spot where he lets the girls out, or at least one of the spots. And he's got, like, it looked like a predetermined area that he was dumping all this stuff because it didn't look like he was just like dumping it because like if he wanted to just dump it he could have just opened the window and fucking just like let it all fall out of that bag but he had a spot he wanted to take it look because he wanted it back yeah he wasn't trying to get rid of it he just wanted to hide it better so that's when cage goes back to the judge with his whole team and that's when he's like i don't want to tell you how to do your job but after all this shit that i've just showed you if that doesn't work and you don't fucking look this over right now and give this warrant immediately and wait a few days all these deaths before and any more that happen are on your fucking head bro well because yeah because woody's all like all right i'll look it over and we'll get back to you in a couple days and nick cage is like nah nah you ain't giving me a couple days because he could kill another woman in a couple days you give me this shit now so they converge on bob's home and they pick him up at his bakery and they bring him in and there's this whole long back and forth between them searching his house and Cage and his boy, like, interrogating Bob. And then the people at the house calling Cage all the time and going, something found anything, something found anything, something found anything. And Cage is like, fuck. But at the end, he's like, you know what? I am going to charge you. I'm going to arrest you on that rape and that kidnap. We're going to see what happens. So, yeah, that buys him more time to look in the house without having fucking... Well, Cage heads there himself, yeah. And so, for, like, they start looking in the garage and they find, like, a secret hatch... And they go up there and that puts them like in the roof of the garage, I believe, or like the attic of the garage. Yeah. They find like more guns up there. And he's like, he's like, shit, this one looks like it's going to fit that one bullet that killed that girl. So, you know, like we're looking up right now. Well, and Cage had been talking to Cindy about like moving into a safe house or something. Because he want he needs her to testify. Well, and she's like, well, I don't want to go to a safe house. I don't really want to testify, blah, 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 blah. So after he leaves, she's like, well, I'm going to sneak out of the hospital and go back to the motel I was just at. Another woman comes in, one that we'd seen there before, and she's like, hey, a friend of Bob's was looking for her. I told him that you'd be right back. And Cindy's like, oh, fuck. Yeah, so she's like, I need to get the fuck out of here. In the meantime, Bob's lawyer comes and visits him in prison, and he's like, listen, bro, if you get charged with this rape and kidnap, that could end up in 99 years in prison and also be a real rough trial for you and your family. Yeah. So Bob's like, shit. He's like, fuck, I don't even have to go down for murder. He's like, I could just go down for rape and imprisonment. Fuck. Yep. And so that's why, obviously, Bob is, or not Bob, Bob's henchman is still out there looking for Cindy. Because if she's eliminated, which is the idea here, then she can't testify. Yep. And then Robert won't go to trial, and he'll be fine. Someone calls Cage from the prison. It's like, oh, yeah, like, things are cool over here with, with Bob. We've only, he's only been visited by, like, his lawyer, his wife, and his brother. And Cage is like, he doesn't have a brother, you fucking idiots. Because, obviously, it was dude yep. came in to see him to, you know get the deal so he rushes out cindy's trying to call up cage at the precinct but he's not answering so 50 cent pulls up and is like yo bitch get in my car let's go she's we're just gonna, like all right we're gonna get out of state well she doesn't think of him as a bad guy at the moment and he's like let's get out of state like not a not the worst guy i should say he's like we're gonna get out of state we're gonna get away from all this shit until he turns down a fucking side road into the woods yeah and she's like where the fuck are you taking me where the fuck are you taking me and he's gets he's got a phone call too from hansen's boy where dude's all like all right you got her take her here and he's all like yeah yeah i got it cool let's do this so they meet up in the middle of the woods dude's parked there 50 gets cindy out of the car his debts how much do you think they they have to total less than 10 well either it's ten thousand or ten hundred. i don't know which but it's got a total less than that or else the guy who's killing her isn't making a profit right sure or he's just boys with the, the people that he owes it well, to, right, so he's also, able to facilitate this deal? I, well, it's also 1983 money, so it's a lot more than, you know, 10000 now, if you're worried about, like, him not making enough off of no, it. No, I'm just saying, like, I'm not going to risk my freedom over ten fucking thousand dollars 
is what is more or less what I'm trying to say. It's not, dude. For a guy like that, even if it were just ten thousand dollars, like now, that ain't nothing. I guarantee you that guy's killed a whole bunch oh. of people that he thought a lot less or a lot more of than this random woman who's fucking his life. Up. It's just like, so brutal that someone's gonna kill someone for ten k. Dude, people kill people for way less. Than oh, that. I know. People I'm kill just people saying. for absolutely nothing all the time. It's just insane to me. I, I, I'm not saying I, like, understand, but, like, there are just too many motherfuckers who like doing that kind of shit. Yeah. It becomes a job to you at a certain point, especially, you know what I mean? Like, $2,000 for human life, that's fucking, what, 10 minutes of work? No, nah, it's probably more than that to do it right, but either way. Cindy ends up, like, well, because 50 turns on dude, and he's like, yo, Cindy, get the money. Let's get the fuck out of here. Yeah. And he's like, no, I'm going to get the fuck out of here. Fuck both of you. Yeah, she just like, gets the car. she leaves. says, she has like something super cheesy. Like, I deserve better than this. And I'm like, why would you say that in this situation? That's, you don't need to say that. It's obvious. Everyone deserves better yeah. than that. But she takes the fuck off. Dude pulls a secret gun out of his waistband and kills 50. Yeah, pops him right And then in gets the in the car and chases her. She's on 50 self or yeah, car phone, 1983 car phone, calling up Cage, getting through to him and being like, yo, I need help. And he's like, go to your motel. I'll meet you there. You'll be safe. I'm like, what the fuck? <laughs> Why do you think she's going to be safe? She hasn't been safe this entire time. I mean, he, they end up getting there just in time to save her. Dude's like beating her up and he's about to fucking run away with her, but he gets away. So he ends up talking. Nick Cage is like basically with this whole Bob thing, right? Like once we get to that, he's talking to one of the guys. And he's like, dude, we're never going to be able to get him on these fucking murders. Like he's like, well, his wife said he's always looking at this, right? Like when they're laying in bed. Well, they, they, had, and like well, they had found. Yeah, they had found this map behind his headboard. They hadn't found initially. Yeah. And so like he throws that down. And then Nick's all like, shit, you didn't find anything, not anything that looks like this. And it's like that jewelry that the sister gives him way earlier in the movie. Oh, yeah, we He's left like, that she out. never took it off, right? And so Nick's got this this whole time, and he pulls it out and throws it on the table without really saying, like, hey, we found your stash. Like, implying we found your stash because how else do you have this same bracelet that I took off of a dead woman? And that's what kind of like gets him to snap because he's all like, hey, how come like all these X's correspond with like bodies that we found? He's like, we've already found bodies here and here. And he's like, that doesn't make sense why you would have X's there. I'm like, he's like, he's like, well, those are just places I've hunted. And Nick's like, yeah, I'm sure you did. And then suddenly Cindy opens the interrogation room door and just stands there in silence. And Bob stares at her. And then all of a sudden he loses it. And says, I should have killed you when I had the chance. And I'm like, Bob, you fucking idiot, man. Yeah. But I guess if you're that kind of a person, that's probably going to set you off. And, uh, yep, that's pretty much. Well, then they do, like, the yeah, the cards afterwards of, like, this happened. Yeah, like, Bobbert Hansen goes to prison for this long. and It's like, well, Nick Cage's character got a promotion and retired. Cindy moved down to the lower 48 and had three kids and was doing her thing. And then, yeah, they did the dedication to the victims. and Which I actually thought was, like, a really nice touch to end the movie. What I would not have necessarily expected them to do. I think it's an appropriate thing to do if you're going to do something based on true crime. Especially if you're not going to do just based on. But you're going to use the names. You're going to use the likenesses. You're like, they didn't change. Like, Cindy Paulson is Cindy Paulson's name. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, they changed Nick Cage's character's name. But that's because they took a lot of fictional liberties with that character. So you kind of have to. Yeah. Well, Nick Cage even had said he's like... He's like, yeah, I talked to the guy a bunch, and he's like, this is where I kind of want to go different from, like, he's like, this is where I want to create a character for it more. Right, this is why I'm not, like, George Ford or whatever his name is. I'm this other character. Yeah, something Glenn or something. Uh, One of the other things Nick Cage said in this interview was, uh, he's like, you know, I think young people will go see this movie and be like, I really just like the troopers. Like, that seemed to be the biggest selling point for him in this movie, was to be a trooper. Again, if you're trying to deflect away from glorifying a serial killer, that's the way to go. And he definitely brought up how most of the time, like, he's gotten a reputation up until this point for being, you know, like, his own sort of style of acting. 
but how he wanted to really rein it in and more play like a realistic portrayal of a person in this movie and be way more reined in than he is in a lot of his other roles but uh you don't have anything else to say i don't have anything else to say i guess that's what brings us to that point of the podcast where we are going to rate the frozen ground on a scale on the 50 randy quaid's grading scale which is one to 50 one being the lowest 50 being the highest and two to 49 being literally any anything in between imdb rates the frozen ground 32 out of a possible 50 randy quaid's where do you fall i'm gonna give this a 24 because it almost hit the realm of being a fine police procedural essentially and that's because a lot of the performances were strong it was a boring structured movie that included a lot of fluff i didn't need and Vanessa Hudgens' performance is kind of what drops me down to the 24. No offense to Vanessa, but Cage was good. Cusack was good. The supporting cast was good, but again, they don't get a lot of time, so they don't really matter, but they were all there or whatever. It's it's too long. It's too slow. As far as being a movie that, again, I've said it again and again, that respects the subject matter in terms of the victims, I think it did a better job than almost any movie like this does. But as a result, it becomes a very slow thriller, which just does nothing for me. So I'm gonna I'm gonna stick with a 24 on this one. I would not I would not watch it again. I will not buy it, and I would only recommend it to the most diehard of Cage or true crime fans. So uh, I'm actually gonna fall very close to you on this rating and go with a uh, right th- right there in the middle. It's a 25. This is a movie. It's not great. It's not bad. It's watchable. Uh, we have watched way worse movies than this. That, yes. No, yeah, and that's what I'm saying. Like, this was semi-enjoyable. Um, I, I probably would have given it a better rating had I not seen this movie multiple times. Like, this is probably, like, the fourth or fifth time I've seen this movie. Oh, God, why? Well, I really liked it initially. And then I learned more about this case and... I've seen it a couple more times to where I'm just like, eh, I don't really never need to see this movie again. Uh, I, again, I wouldn't necessarily recommend it, but I wouldn't dissuade people from seeing it. Uh, it's not, it's not as bad as I think it like, I don't think it's as bad as it gets criticized to be. Yeah. I've heard some shit talking about it that like, it wasn't that bad, but it certainly wasn't. I good. think the biggest reason why true crimers will d- discredit it is because of the fictionalization of Jack Holcomb. Yeah, but if you don't put that in there at all, then you really got nothing interesting without relying on the brutality of the exactly. crimes. Which I'm not interested in Yeah, watching. they wanted to get away from that and get more towards the other side, which makes more sense for it to be a more fictionalized main character. But with that said, yeah, I, I don't think anybody really necessarily needs to see this unless you're a big true crimer or you love Nick Cage. I do own it. Probably won't watch it again. Just going to sit there and be part of the collection. The Cage Collection for now. But uh, with that, I think that we can all agree that you can catch all our new episodes streaming on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. You can also get all of our episodes, including hashtag Cage Talk and our two TV series at our website, 50 Randy Quades. Next time on 50 Randy Quades, episode 155. Joe, we are continuing the epic cage catalog with the next movie joe i know nothing about this and i am excited to watch it to tell all of our listeners tell all of you how much i enjoyed it but until next time we watch movies so you don't have to peace Peace out. out